Emily, I'm here. Whoa. Hey, Josh. I know, right? They've done some crazy renovations here at the platform again. But we just got used to the bar's new isometric view last time. Now everything's in fully rendered 3D? This is going to take forever to get used to. It does take a little while to adjust, but once you get the hang of it, it's pretty cool. And check this out. We can even rotate the camera view. Uh, that's not making me feel so great. Oh, sorry. I guess I should have eased you into that a little slower, huh? <laughs> hey, how about you just nurse this antidote here, and we'll listen to some tunes on the jukebox while your stomach settles? <laughs> and I'll get a mop. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I can't do it! Hey everybody, and welcome to, <laughs> to the VGM. <laughs> that was really funny. All right, center. Hey everybody, and welcome to the VGM jukebox. I'm Emily, and I'm Josh. Each week we play tunes recommended by you, our patrons, and we also read your testimonials. And sometimes I surprise myself without convincing my gagging sounds. <laughs> No, yep. such a good actor. <laughs> Me too was a, a pleasant, unpleasant surprise. <laughs> or an unpleasant, pleasant surprise. <clears throat> Pleasantly right. disgusting surprise. Yes. Um, here's some paper towels. And uh, patrons, maybe let's move to a different table. How about? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. At our new table, patron Naf has a recommendation for us from the game Flying Warriors. The track is Fight Theme 1, composed by Akinori Sawa, and this was for the NES. All right, so let's uh, settle down, calm ourselves, and have a listen. Patron Naf writes, Hey Josh and Emily, this is one of my favorite NES tracks of all time from a fairly obscure game. This game was my absolute jam as a kid and I played it non-stop until I reached a very anticlimactic ending only to find out more than 25 years later that there's a whole extra area and a new ending if you play on the hardest mode. To celebrate my find, I'm dusting off my old NES and giving this game one more go. In the meantime, check out this amazing little tune. It's very short, but it pumped me up so much back then, and it still does now. Cool. Congratulations, Naf, on finding a whole extra area. Uh, I hope you enjoy revisiting that, that old cart. 
let's drop in a congratulations. All right. Wait, should we wait until uh, he beats the new level before we congratulate him? Uh, why don't... Hmm. Maybe I'm tempted now. to do... Yeah. I was gonna say, I'm tempted to do two congratulations. Yeah, we should just... Naf, get back to us when you beat the new level, and we'll drop it again. But yeah, for now, yeah. congratulations. Congratulations, all your frustrations have made of you got This is a sweet what? little song. Oh yeah, what were we gonna it say? It is. Yeah. No, no, go ahead, please. Um, it's just a sweet little song that reminds me of uh, everything good about the NES. I'm just rocking out over here. I will put a little disclaimer in this recording right now. We are having some kind of internet issue. Mm. I have no idea on whose end it is, but. I may not be able to... Are, am I coming through okay for you, Josh? Yeah. Okay, because you. you sound like you're glitching underwater for me, and we've turned off the video feed, and it worked. It helped out a little bit. No one else is using any devices in our house, so I'm not really uh -oh. sure. You know what? I might try something else here real quick. Let's try something. Does that sound any better? Oh, it sounds way better. Oh, weird. What did you do? I just moved a laptop away from my computer. Huh. Well, microphones have this tendency to pick up electromagnetic frequencies out of our hearing range, I guess. So one of the things I did before I started today's recording was I moved my phone to the other room because sometimes if my cell phone receives a signal it'll come through in the recording as like a glitchy sound so I just noticed that I was charging my uh, laptop right next to the microphone that you're hearing me through yeah and uh, so I moved it that's weird this is this is like perhaps those warnings that you see on electronic devices that says it may cause Interference in compliance with blah blah. All right, yeah. Mm, Josh is testing the video feed and we're chugging again. Oh, we're chugging again. Yeah, I would leave it off. All right. Unfortunately. It's okay. I wonder if I wonder if the intro was really funny because I couldn't even see you. <laughs> that those noises just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, anyway, so thank you, patrons. Uh, thank you for bearing with our technical difficulties. Um, I forget where we were talking about how great this track is. Congratulations for finding out 25 years later that there's an extra area. How cool is that? Has that, can you think of a time when that's happened for you when you've learned way, way past your childhood that something existed in a video game that you didn't know about? It's a big question. There may not be anything off the top of your head. It's a big question that I, no, I, I can't think of it being true I might have returned to a game and just been suddenly better at it you know mm -hmm. growing up but I don't, I don't remember anything like that because he thought he beat it but that it was it had a boring ending right right yeah that's so interesting and I wonder you know how was this game designed that that was a mystery 
you know, was there a hint anywhere in the manual that there was another area? There should be something, you would hope. But these were the days when you were supposed to rely on information brokered on the playground, so... Maybe you were just supposed to either get it from Nintendo Power or from your fellow <laughs> information brokers. I find that I keep stopping to listen to that chugging intro. This is good. I've been moving to this the whole time. I have heard other Flying Warriors tunes. They've been featured on the Legacy Music Hour, so I was excited to see... I haven't listened to the soundtrack in full, though, so... I was excited to see another tune come up, so I will be checking this out later, now that it has bubbled up again. What kind of game do you think Flying Warriors is? I don't actually know. I'm gonna guess a shooter. I would have thought that too, so yeah, I was thinking, man, that's weird that there'd be a, another a hidden level in a shooter, like what were you supposed to do to, to get there? Oh, maybe an alternate path or something like that? Yeah, maybe. But that's kind of rare for shooters, you know. But anyways, uh, I found out it's uh, like a fighting game. It's kind of more like Double Dragon or something. Oh! Flying Warriors? Was it supposed to be Fighting Warriors? Uh, I'm not really sure. It looks like maybe you can get enough power-ups where you will <laughs> hover or something. I'm not really sure. That's kind of cool. Cool. Well, you have to scope this one out. That sounds very intriguing, and if all the music is this good, this could be my jam. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great if, like, all video games from 25 years ago, it's like they just suddenly grew a new level or something like that? (laughs) Yeah. A new level just budded off of them. Yeah. For you to discover in... Yeah. yeah. It was like on a timer or something like that. Oh, now that's a really interesting idea. I'm just thinking about... So there are games like Animal Crossing that are tied into real time, and there are events that happen in conjunction with calendar events, so long as your clock and your your calendar is set right on the... uh, the handheld or the console or whatever but wouldn't that be a cool that's a really cool concept if somebody actually created a game and uh well i guess maybe released content kind of falls under this but i I like the way you're putting it because it sounds so much more magical that you would buy a game knowing that for the next 25 years or maybe starting 25 years later somehow things would start unlocking yeah that'd be crazy (laughs) <laughs> That'd be, can you imagine the box for that game? It would be like, you know, 80 hours of play plus years? Question mark, question mark. I almost feel like that's how people felt when Sonic uh, Mania came out or something like that. Oh, yeah. You know, it just feels like the old game is continuing for some reason. So anyways, yeah. I, I'm pretty jealous of Naf's experience right now. He gets to revisit one of his favorite games. Anyways, nice track. Good track. Great track. Yeah, and remember, Naf, 
write in when you beat it and you get the true ending and let us know how good the ending is. Like, was it worth waiting 25 years for? Or not so much? And does the gameplay hold up? I guess it'd be... Yeah, yeah. We want the full report. Please. Now, this next game is known for holding up, I believe. Actually, I'm not... Well, anyways. Uh, it's... Pokemon Gold slash Silver slash Crystal. The track is Printer Music, composed by Junichi Masuda, Go Ichinose, Morikazu Aoki, for the Game Boy Color. And this was recommended by Jupiter Jazz. Let's take a listen. Jupiter Jazz writes, Hello Emily and Josh. Here's my submission of a piece of music that was both amazing and taunting for me. It was December of 2000, and 11-year-old Jupiter Jazz had gotten Pokemon Silver for Christmas from her parents. Having previously finished Pokemon Pokemon Blue on her lime green Game Boy Color, she was ecstatic to start on another journey with Pokemon Pals from previous games and a whole bunch of brand new ones to catch and raise, and also get a chance to get that cool Lugia from Pokemon the Movie 2000. As she ventured forth from New Bark Town through Goldenrod City all the way back to Blackthorn and further and further to a land she had once been to before, she caught all sorts of Pokemon friends that would fill up her Pokedex. Then one day, as she was perusing her Pokedex of prehended Pokemon, she noticed an option at the bottom of the screen that said PRNT. When she hit it, this wonderful little song popped on and instantly fell in love. As opposed to the normal music in the game, which is so constant and full, here was this quiet and charming song signifying a connection to a Game Boy printer that Jupiter Jazz did not own. And there it was. (laughs) The taunting feeling of remembering ads from who knows where. Remembering that you could print out your favorite Pokemon. The taunting feeling of knowing your parents would say no if you asked for one. (laughs) But Jupiter Jazz soldiered on. She came up with creative ways to enjoy her Pokemon League team by drawing and coloring them in her sketchbooks. She learned to enjoy that little printer music without feeling the bitterness of not having a cool gadget that would probably in a year be sitting on display on a shelf collecting dust. 
And every so often afterwards, she would click on that PRMT button and play that printer music while it tried to find a connection and sing along and do dancey hands with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my Pokemon Game Boy printer story. Take care, guys. I love this testimonial. I just want to pick it up and squeeze it. It's so cute! Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, I, yeah, I really like a lot of elements of the story that I want to get to, but before we do that, I just want to say, do you, th or I want to ask, do you think that this song is so simple because the, po the Game Boy needed to use most of its memory to, like, connect to a printer or something like that? I think that's part of it, yes. Or was it, like, gonna communicate with the printer through, like, the sound channel or something like that? That is what it does. Well, it's gonna be sending... It does, right? It's mm. not necessarily sound, but it's just, you know, it's data through the, the Game Boy Link cable. But mm. presumably... I don't know if this would play the entire time. I'm trying to remember. Um, I do have some Game Boy printer... And I put that in quotations experience. It's a long story. Mm. I'll get into it maybe in a little bit. But I can't remember if the jingle plays, continues to play in uh, from the Game Boy camera while you are sending data to print. I just can't remember. Mm. Have you ever heard this song? Actually, so this is an interesting thing. And I don't know if Jupiter Jazz knows this, but Jupiter Jazz, this track comes back in later Pokemon games. So I had never heard this in context of the Game Boy games before, but I had heard it in the DS games when you would, I think, log... Oh no, it's um, it's in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, so the, uh, the remakes of Gold and Silver. When you connect to your Pokewalker or you go into the setting to put a Pokemon in the Pokewalker. Mm. They play this tune, but they add to it. So there's a whole melody and there's a, you know, a couple extra mm. uh, tracks to it. So that was such a funny... Talk about 25 years later, realizing that that song existed however many years before. I was doing it in reverse of NAF, where I realized that that tune was not new for mm. Heart Gold and Soul Silver. It was uh, something that existed in the original game, but in a very a very uh, minimalistic way. So it's sort of like a uh, the official Pokemon connecting to other devices song. Y maybe, yeah. And I wonder if it played... I was originally going to say that I thought it played when you connected to the internet with uh, Pearl and Diamond and Platinum, but I can't remember, but I do know for sure that it's the connecting to the Pokewalker tune, and I love it in that game, so... I get it, Jupiter Jazz. It's a great tune. Yeah. It's nice. It's very folky. Yeah, it is. The melody they put over it's really great, too. I'd sing it, but we're not in sync. But, mm. um... Yeah, one of the things that I was saying... I do want to get back to some deets of this testimonial, but I did want to uh, go back to one thing that I said before we started, which was this idea that this game holds up. Mm. But I don't really know if any Pokemon games hold up because it seems like they're always moving forward, you know? I don't know. 
Do they? Oh, I guess they do, right? Because people are still like daisy chaining Game Boys and getting crazy, uh, unlikely events to happen and stuff like that. I mean, you know, since since we live in a post-apocalyptic future mm-hmm. where we had all these Game Boy Link cables installed cross-continentally, I mean, you really want to right. get your money's worth out of that if you already paid for it, bundled mm-hmm. in with your internet. So, yeah, I think people are still uh, still still doing these things. I mean, I think to be serious, gold and silver were my favorite of the Pokemon installments in the past, mm-hmm. and. Um, I do go back and play it sometimes and I enjoy it, but I don't know if somebody who doesn't have crazy personal, emotional, nostalgic attachment would actually go back and enjoy it in the same way. I would say Heart Gold and Soul Silver improve on Gold and Silver, which I thought was impossible, and they make it into a perfect game. I think Pokemon Heart Gold and Soul Silver are perfect games. The perfect blend of the nostalgia and bringing it up to what was then the present day. Mm, okay. Does this... What I like about this song, by the way... Um, so, unknown, I guess. I guess it. Uh, the answer to the question is kind of. These games kind of hold up. <laughs> yeah, because, I was going to say, I don't know if I answered the question. But it's because Pokemon players are sick. So that's w- what makes them hold up, right? In a way. Me- meaning that we have more going on than uh no just that Europe's that the obsession with Pokemon is not really rational and uh even you know though the games are moving forward the uh super attachment that occurs in the Pokemon community will make people go back but there might not be a real reason for a casual player to go backwards well, I don't know. That would be an interesting question to ask people who didn't grow up with the Game Boy games. Mm. Because the new games are so different. Oh, And okay. so much more fleshed out. And, uh, yeah, I think they have a different feel. I think the stories are more complex. It's a different, it's a different world so much that I feel somewhat like uh, a transplanted person when I play the newer games. And I'm not saying that the newer games are bad. They're great. It's just a very different feel from what I'm used to. So okay. it would be interesting to talk to uh, somebody who was a kid when, you know, X and Y came out, or if that was their first game, and see what it's like for them to go backwards. They would be the people to ask. I just want to say um, that listening to this song and realizing that you don't have a certain, you know, device... That is a very lonely feeling. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah, it's like maybe if you had the Game Boy printer, you'd hear more song. Yeah. But this is all you get. Searching, 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 searching. It's that moment where you're just back in your room, you know? You're no longer immersed in the game. It's just like, here's a sad song about something you don't have, player. Right, right. If I can say one quick thing oh, about so many quick things. the Game Boy printer. I bought a Game Boy printer a couple of years ago, so way past its heyday. And I did it because I bought a Game Boy camera way past its heyday. And I used it once, but the, the paper wasn't so great. So I don't know how I would be getting replacement thermal paper of that size that wouldn't be super old. But 
Um, something I did do, which is tangentially related, is I, uh, I would take Game Boy camera photos, and there is a way, Mad Cats, which is a company that makes third-party peripherals for systems, and, and, uh, I guess, I don't know if they're still doing it, but they did in the past, they created a cable that could connect your Game Boy to the printer port, the old parallel printer ports in your computers, so that you could actually transfer the data into your computer and then get a perfect, crystal clear, hugely pixelated camera picture, as opposed to sending it to the printer. So that's what I was doing, but you have to go through the same function in the actual quote-unquote game, the Game Boy camera, to forward the data, because the cartridge thinks it's sending it to a printer, but it doesn't know that you have all this crazy hardware hooking it up to a device of the future. That's cool. Did you print anything good? Um, What I did was I actually shot by shot recreated a Nathan Barnett music video. Oh. It it took me like two months. Did I ever show this to you? I think I did see it. Yeah. I guess I'll have to put a link up in the blog, but Nathan Barnett did a song called Chuggin' Gigabytes, which is all about using old technology, basically. And I thought, wouldn't that be really funny if it could be redone with a Game Boy camera? And the initial plan was to hook up the Game Boy camera to uh, the Game Boy player in a GameCube and just hit record on some other device and just sort of film it as if you were capturing footage. But it didn't work well enough, so I actually wound up spending a month or two setting up the Game Boy and Game Boy camera in a ridiculous positions that I could shot by shot take every frame and then string it together into a new video. It's one of those things you look back on and you're just like, I really did that. How how did I do that? You know? It's pretty cool, yeah. <laughs> you I'm were proud like of it. doing some some version of uh, stop motion animation that maybe nobody else has done. Exactly. And I'm not going to go into the details. Maybe someday I will, but that okay. was a whole that was a whole adventure with a lot of a lot of pieces and moving parts, but we'll put the link in the the blog description so if people want to see it they can. I love that we've spent this long talking over this track. It's a good track. Hmm. All right, well let's move into our next track. This comes to us from patron Polyester Ties. The game is Myth 2, Soul Blighter. The track is Limbs, Heads, and Smoking Craters. Composers Marty O'Donnell, Mike Salvatore, and Paul Heitch. For the PC.
Polyester Ties writes, Myth 2, Soul Blighter, is probably my favorite game of all time. In it, the land is under attack by growing hordes of undead. Again. <laughs> Sorry, Polyester Ties, my bad. He continues, The overall feel of the game is that of never giving up in the face of seemingly impossible odds. I've seen it described as a real-time tactics game because, as opposed to collecting resources, constructing buildings, fortifications, and training troops as one would in a real-time strategy game, each level starts with a set number of troops. Occasionally, items can be gathered from the environment, and additional troops can be encountered and added to your control, but the player must complete the goals of each level with the resources allocated and nothing more. Terrain and the environment itself play a big part in the game. High ground is advantageous. After explosions, the earth remains scorched. Blood stains the ground where units have died. Body parts, armor, and weapons are left behind, and can be manipulated by certain units to cause additional damage. Units will leave tracks in sand and snow and track blood for a few steps after walking through it. Fires continue burning as long as there is fuel. Also, just as in real life, your troops can damage one another if you are not careful. Probably my favorite mechanic in the game is the fact that each combatant is an actual individual with a uniquely assigned name. If they survive to the end of the mission, they will travel with you to subsequent missions whenever there is a spot for their unit type. Not only that, but their kills are tracked and their speed and skill levels increase the more levels they complete with you. When they die, you feel their loss keenly. I was especially fond of my dwarves and archers. Another interesting game feature is that the music plays only during cutscenes, along with narration, to move the story forward and not during gameplay. While playing, you hear environmental sounds like wind, water, and animals, combat sounds, in-game notifications of casualties or new troops arrived, and the voices of your troops who often comment on what is going on around them. Because combat can get intense and complex, you can slow down and even pause the game to issue commands to units, which they will follow when unpaused. You can also save and restart at literally any point in the game. You better believe I was constantly saving, so whenever one of my beloved troops died, I would go back and try again. You can also record levels played and watch the video again afterwards. The game is also filled with interesting easter eggs and a secret level accessed only after killing three frogs on a small island in the corner of one map who, if you listen closely, say Soul Blight Er in the style of the Bud Wise Er frogs. In my opinion, the track I chose exemplifies the overall game feel. It consists of notes of triumph enveloped by the dread, knowing that things are going to get worse before they get better, and if you live through this, it will never be the same. I imagine it is an oral representation of PTSD. Mm. Okay. Polyester ties. I would like to announce that your major is definitely real-time strategy games. Mm. I think almost everything Polyester Ties has recommended to us, or at least the last two or three, there seems to be a pattern. It's funny, actually. He recommended uh, a, that Dungeon Keeper track that we played from a while ago, and I mentioned it to the one where the printer would like print something from a rival dungeon keeper if you had it plugged in oh, yeah, uh, yeah. and I mentioned it to my husband because my husband also played a lot of um, real time strategy games it was his favorite genre and he was like oh yeah dungeon keeper I know that game I have it <laughs> so I thought that was really funny so polyester ties you've got a fellow uh, fellow real time strategy major 
accompanying you through your education. RTS. <clears throat> I got a soft spot for uh, real-time strategies, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They are just so uh, addicting. I just want to listen to podcasts and play RTS and, like, just get hammered <laughs> every afternoon, if I could. I'm not so much a real-time strategy person, because I find that infinitely stressful. And I thought for a while that I wouldn't even like turn-based strategy games like Disgaea and that kind of thing. And then I decided to try XCOM 2 and loved it so much. And XCOM 2 and XCOM have a lot in common with Myth 2 Soul Blighter uh, in that your troops are individual people with individual names. They level up, you give them skills, and you do, you really do get very sad when you lose soldiers because you do kind of start inventing these little stories in your mind about you know their relationships with the other troops or what they're good at or you know I had this one guy who had aviator glasses and had the personality type of like cocky or something and so I just decided he's the last one to leave every mission even if he's at the evac point before everybody else he's just going to be that guy that's like waiting to be the last one out <laughs> so sounds like this game was similar how dare you get emotionally attached to your characters oh my god you have no idea (laughs) i really like this track too i felt like this track was fueling the way i was reading this wonderfully detailed testimonial it just makes you want to read everything a little bit lower and like with a little bit more breath that was a good reading and writing combo by you and Polyester Ties, by the way. <laughs> I don't think you had any errors in your reading. And the writing oh, thank itself you. was also shiny, spick and span. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell a story during the last track, and I forgot to. Is it too late? Oh, please go ahead. The no, <laughs> The reason I wanted to tell through the last track was because uh, we're listening to a Pokemon game and something sort of funny happened to me in regards to that uh, to Pokemon music this past week. Okay, which... wait, so whatever you're about to say, uh-huh. can you please say it in like a low kind of breathy dramatic way so it syncs up with the track? Oh yeah, I guess I'll have to do that, right? All right. Yeah, make it epic. I had left my office with the music playing. This was a 29 minute and 59 second version of Pokemon Coliseum music. The song was called Cypher Lab. Upon arriving back at my office door, I saw two of my students there. We entered my office and the music was already playing. By the time I had looked over their essays and we had had our conversation about their essays, the music was still playing. And I made a joke to them uh, um, suggesting that I was the NPC character in their lives (laughs) with my own special theme song. 
So that was and that. Yeah. Oh, what was their reaction? I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if they uh, knew what NPC stood for, but they, I think they got the general gist of it because they knew what Pokemon was and stuff. Yeah, and, yeah. And Aww. they were and they were just kind of like, "How long is this song?" Because <laughs> uh-huh. it was—I don't know how long that song is. It's like a minute and a half long. But for some reason, the version that you gave me to record episode eighty-nine was a half hour long, and we're just yeah. listening to this little this little Pokemon loop. That's really funny. I was silent only because I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. But, oh no no! Yeah, but, how did that make you? How did that make you feel? Did you feel the pressure of the students really wanting to mash B on you? <laughs> No, actually, I, I turned the tables in my favor because I was just reading their essay. So as l- many times as they would mash B, they would just get the dots and me like <laughs> looking at their at their paper, you know? Yeah, just the loop of you sitting there yeah. with like like one finger on your lips, nodding. Yeah. Turning they, a page, nodding, but they turning need to a page. Get, they need to get the item back from me. So they yeah. are just like <laughs> scrolling through all these identical, empty uh, chat boxes or whatever. They're that is com- so funny. Uh, text bubbles? Text bubbles. Word bubbles? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. I can see that so vividly in my mind, this like, you know, uh, pixelated Josh. And you're, for whatever reason in my mind, you're sitting in a chair with your one leg crossed over the knee and you're leaning with one elbow on one arm of the chair. Oh, okay. With a, f- with a finger on your on your mouth, tapping, nodding, turning a page, tapping, nodding, turning a page. Dot 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 dot. For dot, some dot, reason, dot. in my mind, I looked like Doctor Wiley. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In a you know in an office, so that doesn't really make sense. But did you waggle your eyebrows a lot? Yeah, maybe that's what I was doing. Yes, <laughs> that's what ding, he does. That's really funny. Yeah, I mean, I would have turned the music off, but I was just like, whatever, it's on kind of low. And uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just want to pretend everything's normal because you're the teacher. Well, an, MP- an NPC doesn't have control over their own theme music. I mean, it's just there all the time. It's not your fault. That's true. Yeah, if I had changed the music, then I would have like elevated myself to... Uh, some sort of weird DJ NPC, you know? Yeah, or some kind of code or something. That was on them, you know? They have the volume controls. That's true. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm the NPC in your life that uh, keeps us moving. So let's go forward into the next track. This was recommended by Mike from Teenagers with Attitude. The game, Shantae, Half Genie Hero. The track is Counterfeit Mermaids, or Mermaid Factory. It was released on many consoles, including the PC, Wii U, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. And it was composed by Jake Kaufman. Let's take a listen.
Nice. Okay. Mike writes, Is it poor form to request a track from a game that just came out? I hope not, because the newest entry in the Shantae series has some really catchy tunes in it. Also, boobs. There are a lot of boobs in this game. Often attached to things you would not normally expect them to be attached to. It's honestly kind of weird about it sometimes. But anyway, the music is great. Thanks and keep that jukebox rocking. Yep. Well, first things first, Mike. It is not poor form considering that we're playing this track quite a while after you recommended it. So Shantae Half Genie Hero has been out for quite some time now. Mm. So even had it been in poor form, it can't be. Yeah, we had once discussed this on the show. You didn't want to play something that had just come out. I don't remember what it was. Yes, yes, that's true. And in fact, put that in the side pocket on the afterburner because that's going to come up later. I guess it almost doesn't matter now because now it takes us like a year to get to recommendations. So... I guess, no, right? Yeah, I don't think... I mean, I don't worry about it anymore. I used to. My my concern was that if we played a track from a game that had just come out, that somebody might come after us. Mm-hmm. And that never seems to happen. So we have actually played some some tracks from some very new games. We oh, played okay. a... We played a Sonic Mania track before it even came out. Oh yeah, that's right. We, we did played do that. a track from Prey, which I think came out very recently. So mm. yeah, we're throwing we're living on the edge, patrons. We're throwing caution to the wind. So this was not a deliberate uh, we weren't trying to sneak this one under the, the radar, but I wanna know if I I mean I wonder if there's some exceptions that we would make. Like this is very very sorry very clearly made for a video game and uh, that community doesn't seem to be particularly litigious about podcasts but if for some reason like there was a U2 song in the new Sonic game or something and uh, they wrote it just for Sonic and somebody requested that, I don't know what we would do in that situation because that would be a little bit more uh, encroaching in, into like a tr- more traditional copyright um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not rules but behaviors you know what I mean there's like yeah. a thing that people in the mainstream do which is sue people you know so I don't know right yeah it's um we've talked about it on the show before but I find this sort of unspoken contract with video game composers to be very interesting and very positive that, you know, it, in what other branch of media are you going to play compositions uh, in your own thing and then have the creators of those compositions like you on Facebook? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, They're into sure. it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's really... I don't know what that is, you know, an absence of ego or maybe all musicians would be like this if record companies weren't in the picture. I don't know, but I think it's, um, it's really cool how that all gets mixed together on the, on the ground, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I think, uh, Jake, Jake Kaufman is really something 
And uh, one of the, if I had to describe Jake Kaufman to somebody, I would say he has the ability to like channel any video game composer he wants, mm. or something like that. Or any system, maybe. Uh, yeah. He can, yeah, he can channel the spirit of every system. Because this, to me, mm-hmm. I don't know if this reads to you like Sonic the Hedgehog, but this yeah, is yeah. like so Hydrocity Zone. This is Sonic 3 Sonic plus new sounds. That's what it sounds yeah. like to me. I, I, yeah, it, it wasn't really individuals, but like styles or something. It just seems like he has everything at his disposal somehow. Yeah. Mm, any thoughts about, you know, obviously once I read this testimonial, I went searching for images from Shantae, oh, half genie hero. Yep. I don't really know exactly what Mike is talking about just from the images that I found, but uh, that sounds funny, I guess potentially funny you know the other day um we actually my wife and i went to eat with a a couple friends and the woman the wife yeah they're husband and married husband and married by the way (laughs) (laughs) husband and married um and she actually just started feeding her baby naturally yep at the breakfast table and um I don't know what happens to my brain when that kind of thing happens around me, but it's like, I couldn't have seen it if I tried somehow. Like my my brain just scrambles that image. Oh. <laughs> you pixelate things? Yeah, it's totally pixelated. That's funny. Well, there's a lot of controversy over that, that sort of thing. I think there might even be controversy with Shantae. I haven't played the Shantae games. I've heard that they're fantastic. But, you know, every, I think, every character is a woman. And they're all very stylized, attractive women. Mm-hmm. So, that's, that's as much as I know. They also very young. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't think, yeah, I don't know about the controversy around that issue, but I... What I wanted to say about it was I felt like there's an, a built-in, a natural built-in reaction to that event, which is that y- your brain will interpret it as if nothing is happening. And for that reason, it shouldn't be controversial. You should just let it be, you know? Uh-huh. From, from my personal experience, you know? Right. Well, this may be different for you as yeah, well but sure. but i get it you know you don't want to be making somebody uncomfortable i mean i was a tiny bit uncomfortable but at the same time you know not really i mean the chimpanzees at the zoo do it right so yeah that's our new baseline isn't it <laughs> yeah shante the half genie hero does it yeah the mermaids would if they weren't counterfeit mermaids. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Actually, that's a weird idea. Are mermaids just mermaids so that they could feed their young? Or do, you, y- know? you know? All right. So if we're gonna get into this, can I just mention something that really annoys me? Sure. Is when you have characters 
who are of non-mammalian species who yeah. have boobs. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, but like in a in a cartoony comic book or something, I get it. You know, we're trying to communicate that that is a woman reptile or mm. whatever. But if you're in like a a serious sci-fi universe where we're supposed to be playing with these cool ideas of oh, I see, yeah. different aliens and uh, really entertaining the idea that there are very different biological ways of existing. Like, don't do that. I thought what you were. I thought you were kind of kink shame, but you were no, actually no, 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 no. <laughs> you're actually just talking about a lack of imagination that the writers on Star Trek have on every episode. Yeah, one hundred percent. No, no, yeah. no shame. Everybody, you just do you. It's all good. You just do you, unless you're a writer on Star Trek, in which case, come on, guys. <laughs> Every single species. <laughs> That's funny, though. Yes, the whole idea of Star Trek is that, like, I think there's this universal, maybe... There's this universal DNA that got put throughout the galaxy that's recreating a certain race or something like that. That they talk about that in the next generation and Oh yeah, that's right. Episode. I remember that episode. Yeah. So that would make it make more sense, but before that episode, it really didn't make sense. Right. And uh yeah. But I mean certain things make sense. Like yes, things that can walk upright have the ability to carry things while moving or something so there's like uh the ability to manipulate and create technology while you're on the move right uh you need vocal cords i guess anyways i don't know no i'm 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 uh if if there are any weird silences on my end it's probably because i'm trying to parse what you're saying oh because you come through you come through scrambled a little bit so maybe i'm just scrambling you and i don't realize it maybe this isn't actually happening in reality but my brain mm. is just scrambling the input but maybe one it's last my thought. voice is like feeding its young right now i'm just getting <laughs> <laughs> exactly yep yeah um one, one last thing i do want to say my favorite example that i can think of in star trek of kind of lampshading it's like, I don't actually think that the original series was that bad. People always make fun of, oh, we're on that same planet with that same rock formation again. Uh, I think what they did with the set for the time was fantastic. So I'm not, it doesn't break my immersion. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really funny was there's an episode of DS9 where they actually, those characters go back in time and they... Uh, go back in time to the triples episode so they're on the enterprise during that whole thing and they splice the footage together and put the the uh oh yeah, yeah. the ds9 actors into the old footage <laughs> i know what you're um, talking about is it yes yeah, so it's not the triples one is it it is yeah it's triples. it is the triples yeah yeah trouble with triples but the, my favorite part is uh the ds9 crew is in the bar in that episode and the ds9 characters kind of look at Worf. Mm -hmm. And then they look at the other Klingons who didn't even have any kind of forehead prosthetics in the original series. Mm -hmm. And they look back at Worf and they're like, so those are Klingons? What happened? And he just looks at them and he says something like, 
we don't like to talk about it yeah, <laughs> or yeah. something like that just to yeah. hand wave that and I thought that was really really funny but hey I'm all you know put different foreheads on different creatures to signify that they're different aliens there's a limit to what you can do with with prosthetics but you know I'm just saying yeah it's kind of unknown whether it's a prosthetic now or if they used to have them shaved or I'm getting way into the uh Lord shaving the, their shaving the ridges off their foreheads. Yeah. Maybe that was their rite of passage. Oh yeah. Until they decided that that was cruel and unusual. You know, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, speaking of cruel and unusual, no, I'm just kidding. Speaking of delicious loving, and pure. Yeah. yeah, delicious and pure. Speaking of delicious and pure. We have a track from Utopia Nemo coming up next from Dragon Slayer, The Legend of Heroes 3. This is the unused ending to composers Miyako Ishikawa, Atsushi Shi, Shirakawa, Shirakawa, Hirofumi Matsuoka we, uh, did the arrangements. And this is the Mega Drive slash Sega Genesis version. So let's take a listen.
Utopia Nemo says, Because VGMJB hosts, NPCs, friends, and patrons, you all mean so much to me. And you always will. P.S. <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is the best song today, right? I don't like to rank them that way. Hmm. I think they all have their place. It's true. Yeah. No. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad about the other ones, but I think this might be like classic or something. Like classic status. Hmm. Well, this is straight out of Utopia Nemo's playbook. Mm. This game, I believe, was for one of the PC-88 or 98s. I wonder how you refer to those, because you can't say the PCs, because that could be anything, but, you know, the PC-88, 98, and then arranged for Mega Drive slash Genesis. I could just imagine Rob F. Switch working out to this, you know? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. Utopia Nemo, he really finds those really obscure, really groovy tracks that make the the Genesis shine. I mean, we excellent sound design. We had some good stuff today. We had Flying Warriors, that's a little short, I think. We had Pokemon Crystal, which is sort of funky in its own way by only by not being a super ambitious, although a very unique uh, arrangement. Myth 2 was pretty atmospheric, nice guitar Mm -hmm. playing, but also kind of short and not too melodic. Shantae Half, Genie, Hero, Mermaid Factory. That one's great, but it's kind of tough to process because so much was kind of going on and there's a lot of melodies. This one's just giving me something to kind of chew on. I don't know. And there's some cool cool Genesis-y sounds on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some very quintessential Genesis sounds. I kind of feel like this track and the Shantae track are related. Oh, yeah? They're orbiting in the same... They're in the same oh, star system, mean, yeah. let's say. They're in the same star system. Because they both have... Um, oh, you know what it is? They both do sound like they could be from Sonic 3. They do. And they have yeah. that super funky bass line going on. Take it down. Yeah. You can imagine Bobby Brown dancing along to it or something. Um, do you know what a mermaid factory is? I found out. No, please tell me. The mermaid factory... Um, it's this... They're like kidnapping women, apparently. And they're like hanging by these hooks from their hands. And they go over this... Uh, water and then a fish will jump out of the water and just attach itself around like just swallow their legs right so it looks like they're a mermaid (laughs) and I guess I don't know what they were making them for but it was a factory of uh, mermaid mermaid counterfeit mermaids yeah that's funny that's kind of a funny idea Hopefully they're not the, the poor, sad mooks that you have to shoot up in that stage. Um, I say shoot, but I don't think they're shooting in Shantae, but I don't know because I've not played any. So my ignorance is showing, patrons. There should be a projectile in a game like this. A platform. I think it's like a, I think it's a Prince of Persia type thing. Oh. 
I think. Now, when I say that, I that's very loose. Wait, what I just do you mean, mean that by I, that? Actually, like running, jumping, climbing, oh, right, intricate right. platforming, maybe some close range combat. I just feel like I see Prince of Persia uh, mentioned beside Shantae. Do you know Every what a so dragon often. slayer is? Um, no, tell me. Um, it's, I don't know, actually. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of difficult to figure that out. Yeah. But I know what an unused ending is. Uh huh. Yeah, what's that? A travesty. Yes, Until it is. Today. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Can you? So I gotta, I gotta wonder. You know, how good are the other ending tracks? I know, right? Could you imagine being on like a committee and listening to, if all the tracks are as good as this one, and being like, we have to. This guy, these these composers, brought us three amazing ending tracks, and we can <laughs> only choose one. one. Yeah. And then you know, staying in that that cruddy little office room with the long table for you know five days deliberating trying to decide it's got to be uh unanimous yeah maybe there was a holdout they would just be having their dance parties all day like <laughs> yeah. ah, i danced hardest to unused ending <laughs> one. Oh my gosh i want that to be real i want there to be vgm um <laughs> Like test groups, you know. Yeah, and they're just salary sarariman, just old. Japanese oh, I want that men. job. Oh my gosh. And people are just people are just watching you from a the two way mirror or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, well, in the last one, <laughs> she was definitely bobbing back and forth in her seat, but in this one, she's actually moving her shoulders too. And you can see that she's like, you know, her neck is looser, so. I'm thinking this one's the winner. And then maybe it has to be a trial over several days to see if your opinions change. You know? To see which one has the staying power. Yeah. Or which you, one you're humming as you, you wander around the hotel building. Room. Yeah. <laughs> you have no contact to the outside world. Actually, true story related to that. Hmm. In the behind the scenes of The Lord of the Rings movies Howard Shore who did the soundtrack the score said that Peter Jackson told him to just come up with themes for the different characters the different areas come up with musical themes just like the little bit of melody and that when Peter Jackson found himself humming one without thinking about it that was the one that had to be it oh wow isn't that a cool idea so I know for a fact that that's how the Rohan theme was was chosen. He couldn't stop humming that little that little little hook, and there it was. That's a lot of work, though. But smart if you can afford it. Yeah, that's cool. My gosh, somebody out there, please pay me to listen to VGM and then tell you. And then you can study my reaction to it and construct a, a game based off of it. Speaking of dancing, hmm. uh, one of my favorite things that happened this past week was that uh, The Messenger 
live what it, live responded to our last episode, episode 91. Yes, he did. On a video that's available um, on the VGM Podcast Fan uh, uh, VGM Podcast Appreciation Group, right? Yes. Yep. On Fans Facebook. of Yeah. So you should definitely be a part of that group if you're not. Check out that video. And one of the things that Alex said was, because uh, he's driving around as he does the uh, the thing, which I thought was a cool idea too, you know, because it would probably be too boring for him to just sit there and not do anything. So he drove his car around and listened to our show. And he said, oh man, I so wish I could dance right now. <laughs> I wish I was <laughs> dancing right now. But he couldn't because he was driving. But um, I, I really appreciated that. I wish I remembered which track he said that over. It's one of the first two tracks, I think. But anyways, if maybe you recommended that song. In that case, you should definitely check out his uh, his live commenting. I forgot what he called it. Uh, well, a live live reaction, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet. I started. I was at work today. Today's the day after Thanksgiving, and I went to work, and then came home, and then immediately had to record. So I could only watch maybe five five minutes of it. I decided to just take a break and watch five minutes of it. Mm. And I love the idea because it's the the idea of, of live streaming a reaction to a podcast. And here's why I particularly love the way the messenger did this. We are all about the wabi sabi here at VGMJB. And the fact that he recorded his reaction while driving in his car, presumably, which is what he's doing while he's usually listening to the show, like, we are getting the wabi-sabi glimpse into his real life, Mm -hmm. what he would actually be doing as he, um, as he listened to this, you know, as opposed to just sort of sitting there in a room and and reacting. So much more compelling that he's driving around and that I can imagine, oh, this is what it's like for other people to drive around and listen to us in their car. How weird! So yeah. that's really fun. We had a, another patron on our group a long time ago take a picture of their dashboard as they were listening to K-Boss because K-Boss came up on their display on their, uh, oh, their right, dashboard. Right, yeah. And it was yeah. so funny to be like, oh, this is the inside of somebody's car. Wow, they're totally listening to our podcast. It's just a very weird... I don't know how to explain to the patrons how weird that is and how cool that is to 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 you know we get your comments and we talk with you by email and everything so we know that you're out there but there's something so powerful about the wabi-sabi moments of realizing like wow yeah okay that really happens my voice is in someone else's car and they want it there (laughs) yeah i know i listened to it for a bit too and i watched it i mean uh the live reaction and um i want I enjoyed it, and I wish that I could say I was going to watch the whole thing, but I don't think I'm going to because it actually made me want to edit so much harder. <laughs> like, it oh, made yeah. me want to change the whole process. You know, seeing Alex there listening to me, and I'm kind of like mumbling and saying, um, and I'm kind of like, you know, not speaking very well. I don't want to panic about my approach to this show right now, so... For that reason only, I think I might not listen to the whole thing, but I think it was an awesome idea and super cool to see uh, Alex in his day-to-day as well. Yeah, 
Absolutely. What I would love is someday, someday, or here's the dream. No, maybe it's not the dream. Here's what will unmake the universe. Josh, you and I will mm. record an episode in person in the car, and we will go to a drive-thru. And then our patrons will listen to that episode as they're driving and mm. recording themselves listening to it while driving. Mm. And then as they listen to the point in the recording when we go to a drive-thru, they go to a drive-thru. Are you trying to create some sort of time paradox? <laughs> I'm just saying I have a hunch. I think you might actually like create the Higgs boson or something if you do that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be so cool? That would be so cool if patrons did that and they recorded themselves doing it or they took pictures of themselves doing it or something. That's I'm just pretty sure they're going to need the instructions written <laughs> because it was a little complex. You know, but yeah, that would be so cool. Don't get me wrong. It would be so cool. Except that the universe would implode. I it would eat itself like an Ouroboros. We're not really sure if an alternate dimension will eat ours or exist alongside ours. You know, so... Whatevs. VGMJB for P. What, physicists? Yeah. AP? <laughs> Something. Astrophysicists? Oh, right. Speaking of uh, apocalypses, I don't know, would you say this next game is about an apocalypse? Which game? My game? Yeah. Would you like to choose uh, a song today, Emily? I would right. like to choose a song. I was trying to... That was a much more complicated question than perhaps you know. Oh, I see. That you just asked. But yes, I would love to play a track. Great. So, yes. And I've been listening to this track for, for quite a while on repeat. For many, many days. I will get into it, but... Oh, oh, so, okay, so remember we put that thing in our side pocket on the afterburner about new games, playing new game tracks? Uh-huh. We're going to be playing a track from a very new game, and I decided to chance it this time because I really want to share it, but I also consciously decided to play the in-game version as opposed to the version that's on the official released CD OST. Oh. Because I felt like if I played the actual version that was on the soundtrack release... That might be, that's like super sketchy, but this one, maybe we can kind of, you know, mm. sneak, sneak under the, the heat radar with. This is mm. from the game Mass Effect Andromeda. This is for Microsoft Windows, PS4, and Xbox One. The composer is John Paisano, and this track is called A Better Beginning, which is also the main menu theme and the main theme. So let's have a listen. Oh, and get ready. This is a, an ambient modern track, and it actually is a very long loop, and I'm not going to have us go through the whole thing. I'm going to stop us at about, I think, four minutes, okay. four and a half minutes. All right, so All right. everyone just uh, relax back into your stasis pod and get ready to travel across the silent stars to a new galaxy. Here we go.
I'm going to fade it out here and bring okay. us back in. So this does continue for a little while longer in one loop, but that was a better beginning for the main menu theme from Mass Effect Andromeda by John Paisano. Cool. Oh such, my gosh, I love this track. Such restraint. Such control. Say, say again? Oh, there's a lot of uh, restraint, you know, in music like this. And uh, it's cool. Oh, what happens in the other loops, by the way? Oh, it's just, uh, it just sort of continues with the theme, but it's very quiet and understated. So we got the, we got the bulk of what we needed to get. So patrons, if you want to listen to the rest of it, just cue it up on YouTube. There's a, a really nice 15 minutes long <laughs> video of it that I've been uh, playing a lot. I was playing it today at work. I was alone in the computer lab, which is my favorite place in this library, by myself with dim lighting. I think I've mentioned this before, and just the HVAC going. And when I'm in there, I pretend that I'm in a spaceship flying through space. And I put this on the podium computer, just this track looping constantly while I was in there. And I was just pretending that I was, in fact, heading towards the Andromeda Galaxy. Mass Effect Andromeda did not get very good reviews. This is 
in the universe of Mass Effect, but it, it does not follow the story of the first three games. The, the basic story of this game, Andromeda, is that there is an initiative that is sending willing workers and civilians off to the Andromeda galaxy should they want to go to settle new planets that we know are uh, habitable. Habitable? Habitable. So you go into stasis for 600 years and then you are brought out of stasis to to begin colonizing these planets. Um, didn't get great reviews. There was a lot of brouhaha over graphics glitches and things like that. But And honestly, I got it when it came out, I think in February or March of this year, and it didn't grab me. And I think I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't love it as much as I loved the first Mass Effect but I have since gotten back into it, and oh my gosh, I am so into it right now. I can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop listening to the music. When we stop recording, I'm going to go play it. Oh, cool. It's just, it's just, uh, it's in, it's just got its, it's got its grip on my mind. And I'm going to say two things that are perhaps unconventional and maybe controversial opinions. For anybody that knows the Mass Effect games, my favorite Mass Effect game is Mass Effect 1, and I actually like Mass Effect Andromeda more than Mass Effect 2 and 3. I realized this the other day. So many tables just got flipped right now, but <laughs> um, I'm just saying it's a, it's a really cool experience if you just allow your headcanon to take over and the feeling of open worlds and exploring the unknown and driving, driving the nomad. Anyway, I'm sorry. I know this makes no sense and you have no connection to it, but I will say one thing that perhaps will make sense in context of the podcast. We've talked before about main menu tracks that make you sit down and and put the controller down and just listen. The first Mass Effect game had that for me in spades, and that theme, Vigil's theme, is perhaps my most favorite tune of all time. And when Andromeda came out, Something that I really, you know, other people, uh, people wish things like, oh, I hope the gameplay is good. I hope it's as good as this. I hope the characters are as good as the other games. On my list of please, please, pleases was please let the main menu music be as good as the uh, the title screen music from the first Mass Effect game. And I think it's, I think it does it. I think it's in, it's in that, uh, it's on that tier. So... I'm babbling. I babble when I really like things and I get excited. So I don't know if anything I said made much sense, but patrons, I'm in it. I'm mm. deep in it. The end. Well, <clears throat> well uh, you know, anybody who's playing it right now, I'm sure they appreciate sharing the universe with you uh, <laughs> and the enthusiasm with you. And for those of us who don't know much about this game, I think the idea of being getting into something that kind of can take over your brain is exciting and so just that bit of information knowing that much about it makes it seem like a good idea Mm. it's changing right now what's changing there's like voices now for me at least yeah there's some different stuff uh, yeah there's some subtle, subtle different things going on in there. Oh, I want to say one other thing, just real quick. There's mm. a descending line of brass in this somewhere towards the the beginning, and to me, it's so evocative of that sound that was used 
for the Apollo 13 soundtrack, for the HBO series From the Earth to the Moon. If any patrons out there like consume space race uh, documentaries or movies, I feel like that was on purpose. It had to be on purpose, that descending brass line to make you feel like the space race and going to the unknown. Anyway, I just feel like it was a deliberate, a deliberate flavor with a palette that has somehow gotten associated with, you know, the Mercury missions and the Gemini missions and the Apollo missions and all of that mm. through the magic of movies and TV. I'm going to stop talking because I already feel like an idiot. I feel so dumb, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just, no. I can't, I can't get it out of my mind. But if there's nothing else that you want to say, I have something else that I can't get out of my mind. Okay. Which is my gratitude for this week's recommenders. Mm. Who were... Tell me about them. Naf. Naf. Jupiter Jazz. Perhaps another star traveler. Polyester Ties. Mike from Teenagers with Attitude. And Utopia Nemo. And also, a very, very special thanks to Electric Boogaloo, who's in the press room. Um, we bring Electric Boogaloo our scripts for fact-checking, for composer information and such forth, so we, we rush in there and give him the papers and he looks them over and hands it back, so thanks Electric Boogaloo, it's so appreciated. And I'm pretty impressed that our band with just uh, its little jazz trio was, was able to pick up this song. And they're uh, making swooshing sounds with their mouths and uh, <laughs> chanting yes. suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks, guys. And to everyone else who submitted suggestions, at, please keep them coming. Go to our website, thevgmjukebox.com, and click the Suggest a Track button, or go to submit.thevgmjukebox.com and send your recommendation our way. Send us an email at insertcoin at thevgmjukebox.com. Send a snail mail at the VGM Jukebox, P.O. Box 26959, Los Angeles, California, 90026. I feel like Josh and I are communicating across galaxies right now because you, you sound like you're talking to me from the moon. Follow us on Twitter at VGMJB. And if you want to follow us individually, Josh is at Josh Adachi again, and I am at Keyglyph. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or any podcatcher. Please remember to rate and review us at the iTunes store. Join the group on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash the VGM Jukebox, and be sure to check the bulletin board at the end of the episode to see what music or video game or podcast-related projects your fellow patrons are up to. If you'd like to be on the bulletin board, let us know through Facebook or email. I apologize again for any weird pauses in conversation that are arising from the technical difficulties if that is apparent in the recording oh no and we also have a special announcement mm-hmm. perhaps perhaps signals from another place will be coming to the vgm jukebox next week we have our first patron created radio station their dissertation yes <coughs> the mad gear wants to let us know that he has done his research um, and that he will be applying for a doctorate in tough music. Yes. Taking over the airwaves with KTUF next week. K-Tough. Mm-hmm. 
Great. So please look forward to that. It's going to be awesome. You know what's so weird? Mm. You sound like pretty jazzed right now, right? Do I? Did did this song like uh, give you energy or something? It's it's probably true. I just I can't. The song jazzed you up, and it's. I feel like uh, Toe Jam and Earl, like when they give each other high five and one person will lose energy and the other person gains it. <laughs> I, I took some of yours. Yeah, I feel kind of sapped out. But I, no, it's just that this song kind of like super relaxed me. And then so I yeah, kind of can't get out of the uh, feeling half asleep right now. It's definitely it's sleepy study music. It's it's working in a, a dark computer lab alone music, but yeah, I just um, the feelings that I have for this series and for this game, I just uh, the Ma- Mass Effect One is a soul game. Mm-hmm. I would say it's a game that. All right, all right, all right, and okay. I, I can't listen to any more about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to let everybody know how much they mean to us. Which is how much? So much. And how long will they mean that to you? Always. Bye, everybody. See you next time. (laughs)